Well, good morning. It's good to be with you all on this Sunday, as always. Beautiful Sunday that we're going to be praising God for air conditioning for later. Right? I think it's going up to almost 30 today, so praise God for air conditioning. Uh, so we've been, uh, we've been going through a, a, a little section in our series. We've been talking about the fear of man the last couple of Sundays. And, and what we've been looking at and what we've seen in Jeremiah 17, what it makes clear is that every single one of us has a choice to make. We have a choice that is laid before us that we need to make, not just once, but often daily and sometimes multiple times a day, depending on the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And that choice is, do we fear man or do we fear God? They are two very different paths that we can take that have entirely different outcomes. One leads to blessing, and the other is a curse and a snare to us. And this is what the Lord says through the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 17, verse 5, the Lord says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. But then he says in verse 7, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. And so the question for each of us is, what choice are we going to make? Are we going to trust in man or are we going to trust in Lord? Because one is blessed and one is cursed. You know, we can proclaim trust in the Lord, yet our actions and our decisions and our inactions can show that we are actually more fearful of man than God. And we talked about that last week. And, so, and one of the things that we highlighted was how the fear of man is one of the main reasons why Christians will not evangelize. Because of the fear of man, we are terrified to preach this gospel to those who do not know it. And so over the past couple of weeks, we've been shining a light on this fear of man because it is something that is universal. It is across the board. We all struggle with it. Some have conquered it better than others. Some are very much uh, entangled and ensnared in this fear. And we've been talking about this fear during this series on good works because Ephesians 2 verse 10 makes it abundantly clear for us that God has works for us. God has works for you and he has works for me to be doing that he prepared for us before we even knew Christ. Before we were born again, God had prepared works for you and I. And the only way that we can be effective and truly step into all the works that God has for us is if we fear him and not man because the fear of man is one of the greatest snares that will keep us from stepping into what the Lord has for us, to keep us from being effective for God. And so this is why we've been talking about this in this series. And in order to be free, to live the lives God has called us to be, we have to be rid of this fear. And so in the past couple of weeks, we've identified this fear, and we've talked about how it can play out in our lives. And so if you weren't here for those, you can go back and listen to those messages and get caught up. And today, I want to end our focus on the fear of man, talking about how do we get rid of it? How do we rid ourselves of this fear? And so let's pray before we dig into God's Word. Father, I thank you for this morning. Lord, and I thank you for every person that's here today. I thank you for the hearts and the souls that are in this place, Lord. 
And Father, I pray that as your word is preached, that you would speak to us. Father, it is by your power, it is by your spirit that we are changed. And so, Father, I am praying for each heart in here that struggles with the fear of man. For those who are stuck in bondage to this fear and can't escape it, Lord, I pray that you would break chains today. That you would bring freedom to this area of our lives. Lord, have your way in our hearts. We give this time over to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as we examined uh, the symptoms of the fear of man last week, we looked at, as I said, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 to 6. And this week, I want to pick up right there again, and I want to look at the comparison that the Lord makes between the emptiness and the thirst that the fear of man leaves in our hearts and the blessing and the satisfaction that the fear of the Lord gives to our hearts. And so I'm going to read the the four verses again that we read last week, and then we're going to unpack it a little bit. So Jeremiah 17, starting in verse 5, it says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited stalt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So the Lord, using these two metaphors of a shrub and a tree, he says that the fear of man leads us to arid places, leads us to dry places, to unsatisfying places, while the fear of the Lord leads us to fertile land. And there's a a perfect picture of this in the Exodus, right? It was the fear of man, as we looked at last week, that kept the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. They went and they scoped out the land and they came back and they said, we are grasshoppers in the sight of those people. They're too big for us. We cannot conquer it. And because of their disobedience, because of their lack of faith and trust in the Lord, an entire generation missed stepping into the blessings of the Lord. And they stayed in the arid wilderness rather than fearing the Lord, trusting in Him, and stepping into a fertile land. And so we have a perfect picture of what happens in the self when we fear man rather than God. The Lord also says the fear of man leads to nothing good. The roots of our heart remain shallow and fragile and scorched. Meanwhile, the fear of the Lord causes us to grow deep roots that are satisfied with the living water that comes from Jesus Christ. The fear of man shrinks back from what could harm us, from difficulty, from opposition, because shallow roots mean that we can be plucked up easily. Meanwhile, the fear of the Lord means we will stand strong in the face of what may harm us. We will stand strong in the face of opposition and that that comes against us because our roots are deep and we will not be shaken. The fear of man means no growth and no fruit. Meanwhile, the fear of the Lord means growth even when difficult seasons come. For in a fallen world, hard things are going to come to us. We are going to walk through dry seasons. There will be seasons of drought in our life. But even in those seasons, we can face them, and we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ because our roots are deep when we trust in the Lord. And though drought comes... The Word of God says here, we remain nourished. Our leaves remain green. 
You know, I can struggle with the fear of man, but I want to live my life in the fear of the Lord. And I'm sure that every single one of you here does. And so how do we crush this fear and grow in the fear of the Lord? How do we defeat this curse and live a life of blessing? And the answer to that question is not complicated. It is like everything in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not complicated, but it is very hard. And this is the reality of our faith. It's not complicated, but some things are hard. We can comprehend easily, but we adults just struggle to walk in some of the truths of our faith because they require trust. That's why Jesus said you need to be like little children. You need to have a childlike faith because a child just trusts in what God's Word says and trusts in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit that is within us. Meanwhile, we adults, we question things, right? We see something that the, the Lord's Word says and we go, is that really the answer, though? There's got to be more to it. There's got to be more things that I need to do. But the reality is often, no, it really is that simple. We just need to trust the word of the Lord. And so let's be like little children. I'm going to tell us how to defeat the fear of man. And I guarantee your adult brain is not going to be li- it's not gonna like it. You're not going to be satisfied with it because it's very simple. And so then I'm going to give you three steps to kind of walk it out to help us out. And so to defeat the fear of man, our lives must fully trust in the Lord. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Like that's what I showed up for this morning? For you to tell me that? In order to defeat the fear of man, we must have our trust fully in the Lord. And your initial reaction is that is so unsatisfying, right? Because we already know that. But that's what the Lord says. He says to trust in man is a curse, but to trust the Lord and make him our trust is a blessing. And so that's what we must do. We must trust the Lord. So I want to tease that out with you a little bit. So here's what we need to understand about why we struggle with the fear of man. We struggle with this fear because every single one of us in this room has a desire for approval. And we look beyond ourselves for the fulfillment of that desire. And that in itself is not a sinful thing. In fact, that is how God created us. You see, we all instinctively know, unless unless we are in denial or we have bought into the lies of our world, that who we are and what we are worth is not defined by us. It's not defined by us. Why? Because we didn't create ourselves. We didn't determine our own abilities. We didn't determine our own personalities. We didn't determine our own skills or our physical features or the families that we were born into or the time even that we get to live in and so on and so on and so many factors that make up who we are. We know we are not self-created. 
And so that means we cannot obtain identity, we cannot obtain value, we cannot obtain meaning and the fulfillment of approval from within ourselves. As much as this twisted world tries to tell you that you can, just look within yourself and find your meaning. No, it doesn't work because we weren't created that way. We have to look to an external source for those things. And God created us that way. Because those desires were designed to point us to Him. They were designed so that we would look to Him, so that we would put our trust in Him and allow us to rest in His approval and His determination of our identity and the value that He places upon us and the meaning that He gives us, all of which He gives us in abundance and is deeply satisfying when we are in relationship with Him. But when sin entered the picture... And we got twisted up, and we put off the Lord. We still required an external source to give us what we needed. But we were no longer looking to God. If we weren't seeking it from God, we had to seek it from somewhere. And so we looked lower. And we started looking at fellow man for approval, for our identity, asking others to tell me who who I am, to give us our value, to give us fulfillment. And in doing that, what we did is we gave others authority over us. And we began to fear people because now we require their approval. So we're afraid of them. We entrusted ourselves to men and women to tell us who we are and what we're worth. And this is the twisted reality that you see in our world today. And Jesus Christ died to free us of this. He died to free us of this so that we could return to God and no longer look to man for approval, but trust in God that through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have his approval, that he determines our identity, that he determines our value, that he determines our meaning, so that if those, so that if we are rooted in that, if we are secured in the God of the universe who ransomed us, What do we truly need from man? What do we truly need from man at that point? This is why we need to fully trust God and stop looking to man for what God has already given us in Jesus Christ. This is why I'm saying it's so simple, and yet it's so hard to do. It is so hard to break off the old ways and just trust like a child that I am who God has declared me to be, that I am accepted, that I do have approval. I don't need to look this way for it. I just have to look up. It's so hard to do, yet it's such a simple thing. And so to help us, I want to give us three steps that will help us trust God more and fear man less. First step is this that we must confess our fear of man. 
We must confess when fear of man bubbles up in us. When we recognize the fear of man rising up in our hearts, we should immediately confess it to the Lord. And if possible, to a friend or a loved one. We confess it because the fear of man is sin. That's what we have to recognize. When we fear man, we are sinning. It means in that moment of fear, we are holding someone up or holding someone higher in the place that God should hold in our hearts. The fear of man does not come from faith, and anything that is not of faith is sin. So we confess it. And he who is faithful to forgive us will forgive us our sin. That's the guarantee that we have from 1 John 1.9. We also confess it so that it doesn't hold us in bondage. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once wrote, Being alone with our sin is dangerous. Being alone with our sin is dangerous. Keeping it hidden is dangerous. We need to bring things to the light so that God is able to work in them and they lose their power over us when we bring them to the light. And I say we must confess this because in all honesty, the act of confession in modern Christianity has completely gone out the window. Let's be honest, it has. We sit there and we think, oh, I can fight this fear in my own power. No, you need to go before the Lord and say, Lord, in this moment, I'm looking to that person for what I should get from you. And I'm sorry. And we go to a friend or a loved one and confess to them. And I say, would you hold me accountable when you see this happening in my life? When you see me giving in to this fear? It's the only way that it's going to start to lose power over us. And then the second thing we do is we confront our fear of man. So we confess it, and then we confront it. And we do this in two ways. We do this by asking ourselves questions and then preaching to ourselves. When we feel the fear of man rising up in our hearts, we need to ask ourselves, why? Why am I so afraid of that person? What do I actually think is going to happen? And if what I think may happen does happen, what's the outcome of that? We have to question ourselves when we feel these fears rising up because the heart is deceitful. God says in Jeremiah, right after talking about the fear of man in verse 9, super famous verse, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Our heart is deceitful and the fear of man is so often exasperated by the deceit of our hearts. And so when we question ourselves, what we often find is the fear that's holding us in bondage is often greatly exaggerated. We have to break it down. Just think about the fear of evangelism that we talked about last week. I walk up to a stranger on the street and I'm feeling fear. What am I afraid of? Okay, God, what am I afraid of in this moment? Well, he's going to reject me. Okay, he, I don't even know who he is. Why do I care if this person rejects me? I don't know them. Right? And we start to see that's a foolish fear. Right? Like, it's not actually hard to break it down. Our hearts are deceitful. 
But when we start to question, we start to see, wow, that is greatly exaggerated beyond what is actually going to happen. Or even if it does happen, why does it matter? Right? And then when we question it and start to break it down, the next thing we do is we preach to ourselves. We preach to ourselves. You know, one of the things that I truly believe is that Christians are not as strong and bold and fearless as we should be because we don't know how to employ the living word of God. It is living and it is active, and we need to preach it to ourselves. And I've brought this up before, and I will bring it up over and over and over again. This is something that Martin Lloyd-Jones was a huge advocate of, that we need to preach the Word of God to ourselves. One of the most powerful uses of God's Word is when we preach it to ourselves in the moment of fear or whatever we are struggling with. When we know His Word and preach His promises and His declarations and His truth that relate to the circumstances that we are in, it is incredibly powerful. And so when we fear man, we preach to ourselves what God's word says about fear. Right? We go to John 14, 21, where it says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We go to Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We go to Romans 8, 38 to 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 118.6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Romans 8.15, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Like We have all of these things in Scripture. Right? And as adults, we don't trust it. When we just preach these things to ourselves, the Word is living and the Word is active and the enemy will flee in that moment and fear will flee in that moment. We don't believe it, but I'm telling you, children believe it. Like if I tell, are you just pray for something? She's like, yep, no problem. And it's gone. Because she trusts what God's Word says, that it is living, that it is powerful, that the Spirit of God is in us, right? We try and look for these complicated solutions to things. It's not. It's not complicated. It's a simple faith. We just have to employ it. We just have to step into it. And we so often don't. And when we preach these truths to our hearts, they just wash over us like this calming aloe. And we assert what is true, not the fear that we feel, but the words that God has spoken. That's what we do. And that leads me to the third thing. The third thing we do is we conquer our fear of man. Confessing and confronting our acts of trusting in the Lord. We trust that when we confess, he will forgive. 
We trust that when we use his word, he will work in us through the power of his spirit. But there is something about trusting in the Lord that will ultimately conquer this fear of man. And it is at the intersection where our trust in the Lord is most tested. Look back at Jeremiah 17.8. In that verse, the Lord declares, the man or the woman or the child, whoever it is, who trusts in him will not cease to bear fruit in any season. What is that alluding to? It's giving us a picture of what it means to trust in the Lord, what that actually looks like. It's alluding to our obedience. The bearing of fruit has to do with obedience and submission to the Lord. Trust in the Lord does not merely involve a declaration. It requires our submission to the Lord's commands. It's not enough for a follower of Christ to say, I trust in the Lord, and then our life looks nothing like trusting in the Lord. It's not merely a declaration. It's submission to God. It's obedience to God. We don't get to just say we trust in the Lord if we don't live and respond and obey to the things that he calls us to obey. It's empty. So we can go to John 15, and we can see that Jesus teaches his disciples the same concept that the Lord speaks in Jeremiah 17. Jesus says in John 15, verse 4 to 5, he says, Abide in me, and I in you. Abiding is the same basic concept as trusting. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You cannot bear fruit unless you abide or trust in Jesus. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So you have the Lord in Jeremiah saying, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He does not cease to bear fruit. And you have Jesus saying in John 15, whoever abides, whoever trusts, whoever remains in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And then verse 9 and 10, Jesus tells his disciples exactly what abiding means, that it means obeying him. He says in verse 9 and 10, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Do you see that? If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Abiding or remaining, or trusting in Jesus, <laughs> is often viewed as this complex idea in our North American version of Christianity. It's often viewed as, as, as feelings. 
uh, I'm abiding with Christ. I'm a remaining risk with Christ. It's like this empty idea. We don't really understand it, but it's not complex at all. We try to make it complex because it gives us an excuse when things are complex. But it's very simple what it means to abide in Christ. Trusting in the Lord, abiding in Christ's love, means keeping His commandments. It means obedience. That is how you abide in Christ. And Jesus uses his own ex- Himself as the example of this. He says, he abided in his father's love by keeping his father's commands. The way he trusted God was in his obedience. It wasn't simply a declaration. It was a demonstration through his actions of being nailed to the cross. So here's what I want us to see in this. In how we conquer the fear of man. It is not easy, but it is simple. The way we conquer the fear of man is through our obedience to the Lord. We have to recognize that fear is merely an emotion. It is not what is true. And the only way to conquer it is to courageously step through it into obedience to God. That's the only way to conquer it. We must be resolved that we will abide in our Savior's love by obeying His commands despite what we may feel. And this is why it is so hard, yet simple to grasp. It is hard to live out because we have to go against this very strong motivator of fear. But we must be courageous enough to trust God in spite of what we feel. That is what will ultimately destroy the fear of man in our lives. Here's the thing. You want a shortcut. There is no shortcut. It is through courageous obedience to God that the fear of man will be defeated. And so in evangelism, the only way to kill the fear of man is to obey and evangelize. And we hate that answer. But it's true. It is only through obedience. How do you kill fear? By stepping into it and realizing, not as bad as I thought it would be. You can't kill it any other way. And that's the reality of so many things that we're afraid of. It's a matter of take that step of obedience and trust the Lord is with you. This is what every disciple of Jesus has had to do since the original 12 disciples. They had to step into things like, well, death? Oh, no, okay, I'm okay. Right? The only way that you can really practice your trust in the Lord is when you step out and trust the Lord. I I really believe this is why we have so many weak Christians. Because we sit back here and go, well, I trust God, but I don't, not for that. That seems scary. Then that's not trusting God. We only grow when we go, okay, I recognize that fear, it's not true. You've declared this, here I go. 
That was scary, but the Lord's still with me. And look at his faithfulness. It's the only way to beat it. I want to show you this in God's word, that it's not just my idea. That this is God's plan and this is God's path for defeating the fear of man. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 4 to 6. After he writes his gospel, he's an older man now, wise And he writes this, he says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him, there it is again, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Showing up again in 1 John. Very similar to what he said in John 15. He's just reiterating again. We know that we are in God. We are trusting in him. We are abiding in him when we walk in the same way in which he walked, in obedience. If we don't, we're lying and not abiding in Christ. But look what else he says in verse 5. Whoever keeps his word, whoever is obedient, in him truly the love of God is perfected. The love of God is perfected in the one who is obedient to God. And just as we end, I want to take you to 1 John 4.18. And look what it says. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. That's amazing. Says the only way God can perfect love in you is if you're obedient to Him. And as you're obedient to Him, He will perfect that love. And when He perfects that love in you, it casts out fear. Obedience is the path to perfect love and casting out the fear of man and every other fear that comes against our hearts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for myself and for every single person here that our declaration of faith in you would not be empty words, that our lives would be lives of obedience, would be lives of submission to your word. Lord, that we would trust that when we have come to faith in Jesus Christ, when we have accepted the work that he has done on our behalf on the cross, his blood poured out, his risen life, the empty tomb, that we have your approval. Lord, that you are the one who gives us our identity, that you are the one who tells us who we are and what we are to be, and that when we have that from you, we don't need to look to the left or the right. We can just look up and trust. So, Father, help our hearts to trust. Help us not to doubt. Make us like little children. And, Lord, I pray that in that trust we would walk in obedience because it is only through 
obedience. It is only through difficult things. It is only through stepping into your commands and doing what you've called us to do that fear will ultimately be rooted out of our lives. We can't just sit back and hope that you'll get rid of it, Lord. We need to partner with you in walking in obedience as you do what only you can do in our hearts as we do what you command us to. And so, Lord, may we echo the walk of Christ in his obedience to you. Be willing to lay down our lives in small things and in big things the way that Jesus Christ laid his life down for us. Pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.